If you're an attorney that struggles with getting home in time for dinner or taking a vacation without your cell phone and your laptop attached to your hip, or maybe you just can't figure out why you don't make more money based on your education level and the service that you give to your clients. Maybe you're an attorney who wonders, why can't my law firm operate without my constant presence? Or finally, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if I can ever retire from my firm. Maybe I'm going to have to work right to my dying day, like so many other attorneys before me have done. Well, hi, my name is Richard James, and I created EA Nation so that you could learn how to build a law firm that supports your lifestyle as compared to undermining your lifestyle. EA Nation stands for Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation, and we join together with other like-minded entrepreneurial attorneys to unpack the secrets to how to do just that. And I want to help you build your law firm better one system at a time. So without further ado, let's get started with this next episode. Today, I've got my good friend and longtime vendor of ours that runs all of our Facebook campaigns, um, Robert Stanley from Local Pulse Marketing with us. He's going to be sharing uh, some thoughts, and I'm going to be interjecting on these thoughts along the way, and we'll have some good banter, and hopefully we'll give you at least one great idea that you can take away and either implement on your own or have your team implement for you. Robert, are you with me? Yeah, so I've been in digital marketing since 2001, uh, not formally. I formally started my company in like 2005, I think it was. Uh, Rich and I met at a Dan Kennedy-oriented mastermind event. What was that, 12 years ago, maybe? Yeah, uh, it's at least because, uh, yeah, 12 to 13 years ago, at least. Yeah. In fact, um, so I was doing digital stuff for a long time. I sold the company and I had nothing to do, right? So I was in this mastermind group with Rich and a few other people, which the majority of them were attorneys, were they not? Yeah. And and I was dropping bombs on, you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. And they said, well, well, we want to hire you. And I said, well, no, I don't work with lawyers. I just do, I just do digital stuff for other things. And uh, over time, Rich started to develop the program. I started coming to his events. We talked and he said, look, hey man, these guys all need your help. They all, I trust you. They want someone they can trust. And so long story short, um, I started doing marketing for Rich and then I started doing marketing for law firms. And I said, look, I, I don't trust lawyers in general. So why should I work with these guys? He said, well, these guys are good guys and gals are good people that, you know, uh, believe the same things we believe. And I think that's really important. So we have a community here. And one of the reasons that I'm part of this group and that I, and that I agree to do marketing for attorneys is because I know that Rich believes the same things that I believe. And that I, I also know you believe, and I feel like this is a very unique situation where we all kind of work to help each other. And so my goal, my company's goal is to help you succeed so you can help me succeed. So this is a mutually beneficial exchange. If it's not, then we shouldn't work together, right? And I think Rich feels the same way about his members. And um, I'm very happy to be here. I've been in marketing for a long time. Uh, only been in the lawyer space for eight years or so since Rich started the program. Um, but, you know, I've been super excited to be part of the group. I, I really love the way Rich approaches how he promotes and talks about how we, our job, not only as marketers, but as attorneys is to help other people solve their problems. And if you don't do it, someone else will do it. And I, I just totally believe in that. And so I'm here to help you serve those who you serve, right? Serve you so you can serve those who you serve. And so uh, service is a big part of our attitude. Um, 
as you know, in a law firm, sometimes someone in your group or even yourself drops the ball. We do the same thing. My big belief in my organization is we own it and we'll try to make amends for whatever we screw up. And I think you should do the same. And so we're here to help you succeed. And as you are there to help your clients succeed. And that's my, you know, yeah, I think pitch. that's a great point. So, so, you know, obviously you've grown up through this process and, and we, uh, anybody who's on this call is here because they consider themselves somewhat entrepreneurial minded. So we look right. for entrepreneurial minded attorneys. So we tend to attract a different breed of attorney. Most of the times uh, what we hear when attorneys join our world is they tell us, you know, I don't like hanging around attorneys all that much typically. Like I don't have a lot of attorneys who are friends. Um, but when I come into our, into this world, this EA nation that we created, they, they say, I actually like these people a lot and, and I've got life. I feel like I've got lifelong friends here. And, and so that's the point that you made about this place is a little bit different, but, and that, that, that other point that you made about making mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes. I make them too. Um, they've become less through the years, but I still make them. And mm -hmm. you just, I think the answer is you got to own your mistake. You got to fix it. And, and then you got to move on, right? And so as small business owners, there will be mistakes made. Attorneys don't love mistakes a lot because they're not used to making them. Um, and not just in their professional world, but you know, a lot of attorneys came up through the ranks where, where they, um, you know, they, they had the best grades, maybe perfect grades. They, they, they always got everything right. They never got less than an A. And so they were always the smartest person in the room. And so they've become accustomed to people looking at them to always have the right answers all the time and they never make mistakes. And in small business, it's just not like that. And, and a good bridge to this conversation in marketing, it's not just like that. So no. in marketing, you know, Robert, you and I believe this, we have the message, we have the media and we have the market, right? So we have to identify your target market. We have to have developed the right message and we have to determine what media we're going to use to get that message out to our market. And in today's conversation, we're talking about digital as the media that we're going to use. But Marketing is far from perfect. As a matter of fact, I'd argue that we probably only get our marketing right, you know, maybe 40 to 50% of the time. Do yeah. you think that's right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a part of the problem is that the, the environment evolves constantly, right? So, so Facebook changes the rules, Google changes the rules. The, you have the environment, things like COVID, you have holidays, you have summers, you have all these things that happen in your prospective audience. And then you have on top of that, the the media in which you operate. It could be in, in like Charles's case, he tried to do stuff with Hulu or which we've done with Facebook or Google or doesn't matter, Twitter, LinkedIn, doesn't matter what those platforms are. Those platforms have their own rules. And then you have under underlying that, you have this environment that all humans operate in, right? So those two layers make it very complicated and, and very unpredictable at the same time. So we know what the constants are and market media message, right? Those things are very important. And so when you have used something and you know it works, try it again and again and, and, and kind of step back and realize that maybe not everything's aligning the way you expect it to. Uh, I know you say this, Rich, but if you've used an advertisement that worked for you before, it will likely work again, you know, despite the platform, right? And so maybe you have to tweak it a little bit to work with Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. But the reality is that if your audience responded to that message and that offer, it's probably going to work almost anywhere. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's one of the biggest mistakes of all small business owners, not just lawyers, that they that they think because they go to a different media, they've got to change the message. And the reality is most of the time, the message, once it works one place, as you said, it works other places as well. Maybe it needs to be tweaked for different reasons, but the overall message call to action will work. Yeah, and I think that's... Uh, and. and <laughs> Dan Kennedy is the best at saying this. He'll be at the event in San Diego, which I'm excited to see. Uh, I love that guy. He's a great presenter. He's super smart, super humorous, right? But he'll he'll say the same thing about any platform, right? We we'll, we will get bored of our message and marketing before the market will, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Rich, you're teaching the same fundamental things year after year, quarter after quarter, right? I'm sure you get tired of it and want to try and do something new. But the reality is, is that your audience wants that same stuff over and over again. And, and Dan Kennedy talks about this. And so one of the, the challenges I have as a marketer for clients is to attempt to explain to them like, no, we don't have to try every new thing you see, right? When we know we have stuff that works, right? right. And so- and, and if you do try it, it's not supposed to be an either or. It should right. be both end. Like you need to- yeah. You need to increase your budget and spend more money and go test this new thing. But don't stop doing what's already working to test right. the new bright and shiny thing. Well, and you're right, because you could win a home run. Like we've done that before. With new new advertising platforms come out, new methods of advertising with Google or Facebook come out. And we'll, if we're the first to market and we figure it out, boom, we, we win, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to have that extra cash. And so I, I told this to uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, <laughs> And Kat, I'm like, you have to treat some of that stuff like Las Vegas money. You go to Vegas, you've got this, you know, 500 bucks or whatever it is in your back pocket. And you're like, I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to have fun. And so you have, kind of have to have the attitude about those new upcoming opportunities. Like, I just want to have fun and see what happens. Guess what? Sometimes you hit the jackpot. But don't be like, oh, I spent the 500 bucks. I'm never going to do that again. No, no. Just treat every new experiment like you're in Las Vegas. It's a chance to win big bucks. And if you, if you emotionally detach yourself from that investment, chances are you'll win every time. Agreed. All right. So why don't we, without, before we go too far off on a tangent that you and I could probably just banter about this. <laughs> I think for what sure. we should probably do, let's get to your slide deck and let's give them some pointers today. Yeah, on the for sure. Overall concept of direct marketing and some of this stuff we're going to fly through pretty quickly because it's basic, but some of them I'm going to ask some pointed questions about and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, so can you see it now? I can see it. Yes, sir. All right. You guys all see it? Raise your hand or something. Give me a thumbs up or a yes. Or jump sure up and down. Screen. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Um, see if I can operate my own thing. So, so we're going to talk about the what, why, how, which is a, you know, a common marketing and communication thing, and then common mistakes and then a review. So I'm not going to cover everything possible in digital. I'm going to cover the, the 80-20, which is behind me, like the top 20% things you could do. Yep. Um, so what everyone focuses on, and and, and if you d- disagree with me, it's okay, but is, uh, you know, attracting interest and getting leads, right? We all focus on that part of the, the process, yeah. at least if we're new to the situation, right? We just, we, I need more leads, I need more leads, right? Um, but when it comes to that, that part of the conversation, what are the most important things you could do when it comes to all the things? And this is not everything digital you could possibly think of, but these are the things that I think of. Yeah. And so the, the top 20% here are these top four things. So yep. Google my business, 
right? And they'll have a free guide at the end that you can get on that on that topic. Uh, local service ads, which is brand new, by the way. Uh, not everybody can do that or do it well. SEO slash website and user experience. So these last two, SEO slash user experience. So everybody has a website as far as I know, right? They should. Let's say you have 100 visitors a month, right? And out of those 100, you convert one person or 1% to a contact. Mm -hmm. What if you made that one person turn into 10 people with right. no other change, right? And Rich, you talk about this all the time. What if you just increase the number of leads or you increase the number of appointments or whatever? So what could you do to potentially take your current marketing assets and make them perform better? And I think that's a lot of what I believe in and Rich believes in. Well, the first thing you said to me, when we first started doing business together, probably nine years ago, um, and I hired you, the first thing you said to me is, we got to scratch your website. We got to, we got to, it's not congruent. Nothing matches. We're not converting at the best opportunity. Let's work on conversion. And the first thing we did, we didn't go start running ads right away. Nope. We started making sure that our online conversions were right, that our, that our message was congruent across all platforms, that our color, uh, you know, all the things we needed to make sure we did, we did the basics, the fundamentals. And just by doing that, the phone started ringing, theoretically speaking, right? The, in our world, the, the email started coming in from the leads because we, we just started getting more congruent. And then... Once we had the foundation in place, we could start doing things like paid advertising. Now, Correct. because my business is a national business, I, I have to be honest, I didn't spend an awful lot of time on Google My Business or my local business stuff, probably until maybe only a year and a half ago at, at most. And it was because I just didn't have a local presence. But what I found was Google, even with my business, even though I wasn't looking for a local business, they really preferred if everything was optimized the right way. And so yeah. today we've, we've spent a lot of time optimizing that part of the business. But if you're a small law firm, the, the, I completely agree with you. Like Google My Business, local service ads, SEO, and making sure your on-site on website appearance is maximized to, for conversion and for optimization for, for, uh, visual, uh, for impressions is vital. Because it's, it's yeah. the, it's, and it's, the good news is, unlike the yellow pages, you don't have to like go out and, and buy a single truck ad or a double truck ad to compete with your competition. You just have to do the fundamentals really, really well. And eventually you will rank as well. You agree? I totally agree. And yeah. I'm going to give you a, a little trick to make that even more effective here. Cool. So um, this is interesting. So this is, this is a, a question, right? So what do prospective clients value an attorney their their your reviews or your fee schedule well i mean if you've been car shopping in the last two years you know you care about consumer reports right you care about yeah you care about price but mostly consumer reports who's the dealer i can go to who's not going to jack me around make me sit in an office for 10 hours to sign a piece of paper when i know what car i want I know what model I want and I just want to buy it and get out, right? Right. So th this is not terribly different than buying a car for some people. Not, not every situation matches what I'm saying right here. Like there are situations where you want to do a lot more research, right? If you have a very complicated legal case, but for the most part, for consumer law, this is how people shop, right? So 
This is from a, a report released by Avo in 2019. So they haven't done anything since, obviously, because of COVID and all that stuff. But essentially, so what are the three biggest deterrents or red flags for consumers, right? Oddly enough, it's right here. Slow to respond. That's the number one thing. The number one thing. And so I'm going to punch you in the gut right here. So if you have Susie's secretary who's been working for you for 50 years or 40 years or 20 years, chances are she either has too many jobs to do or she just doesn't have the same motivation that you do to respond to your prospective clients or current clients. And no one wants to hear that. I've had this personally, I've had that situation where I had to fire someone who I loved, who worked for me because they were underperforming. But I mean, the data doesn't lie. Like if you look at the data and I, Rich could probably add to this, but if you look at the data, your number one flaw, and I would say slow to respond, you could say phones, email, text, any of those things. That's your number one loss point. Yeah, so let's talk about slow. Let's define it real quick. So the study was done years and years and years ago, but it's an old study, but it's very relevant to this conversation that they determined that if, if you were to connect with your prospect in less than three minutes, your likelihood of converting them to an appointment goes up 300% as compared to if you contact them in 15 minutes. So the speed at which you connect with your prospect is enormously important. It's one of the reasons why Kelly and Will Grafton out of Maryland, um, the Pat, one of the past EAY winners, not this year, but last year, 2019s, they were able to successfully grow their practice because one of the things they focused on after learning how to generate leads was the speed of conversion. So the speed of communication to that lead. So they built systems whereby the person on the phone, when the email came in, would automatically get rung or dinged. Uh, they built systems where they could measure how long it took people to get in touch with a lead. They paid attention to this thing, which isn't digital marketing, right? And it didn't matter where yeah. the lead came from, but to your point, Robert, you could be really, really, really good at digital marketing. But if you're bad at communicating with your prospects in a timely manner, you're likely not going to do well with any of your marketing. Agreed? Agreed. So I think, I think some of the, so for larger firms, this is my opinion, is that they're really good at digital marketing. They have all these problems, but they don't care because they can just waste all that money and they still come out ahead. Mm. But when you're a smaller firm, you have to care because you can't waste all that money, right? So if you're buying leads or spending money in SEO or whatever the case may be, you have to be efficient because you, you, you can't afford to be inefficient. But the third one down your list, while the second one was too expensive, it's in, that's interesting. Um, the third one down on your list is negative reviews online. Uh, yeah. I bet you, by the way, that too expensive, it says, what are the three biggest deterrents or red flags for hiring a particular attorney? I, I have a funny feeling that too expensive. I could be wrong. I don't have the insight as to what people's answers were. It's not that 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 attorney was too expensive as compared to another attorney that they price shopped. I, I don't believe that to be true. I, I experienced very few price shoppers. I, I typically experience that people, what, what happens is they just generally think hiring an attorney is expensive overall. So they have it in their head that hiring an attorney is just expensive. Uh, not necessarily that the attorney that they would hire is more expensive than somebody else. I, 
I just don't find it to be the bell curve. I find that to be the outlier. But well, that, negative I, reviews online is a big one, right? Yeah, it's huge, huge. And we'll talk about that here as we move forward. But you're right. Too expensive is very subjective. Like we don't know what the actual answers were. So right. there's a lot of variability in there. I was actually going to comment that I think uh, that most of us are too cheap. Like we're not charging enough. Correct. And so uh, the too expensive, maybe those are the people who, like you said, never looked and or were bad fits, right? Like we, we don't know who the survey group is in, the, in this scenario. Um, so the, So this is interesting also, the time it takes to hire an attorney. So we all kind of know this, like everybody pretty much hires quickly. Like you, you go in the store and you buy a pair of tennis shoes like that, right? Unless you're a marathon runner and you're looking for a specific pair of shoes, and you have a very complicated situation. You're going to just go in, buy a pair of shoes that the guy recommends and you're done mm -hmm. uh, or something that your buddy recommends, whatever. But as you go down this path, what happens for most paths past these blue columns uh, is where the money is to be made for you, right? So most people, most firms, most businesses do not follow up past the first two or three days. So these metrics follow that trend, frankly. Um, so if you have a good follow-up sequence, a good follow-up process, whether that be, you know, Susie's secretary calling or you walk to their house and knock on their door, it doesn't matter. If you follow up, then look at these, look at the percentages. Like 34% of the clients retain the firm after the first week. Yeah, exactly. So like, like literally you could increase your revenue, your gross revenue by 30% following these numbers by simply following up. Yep. Would you agree yeah, with I, that, I, I've, said, I've said this story before. It's worth telling again. The, the firm that I built in Phoenix, 65% of the revenue was generated from leads that originally said no. No, I don't want to set an appointment. No, I don't want to show to the appointment. No, I don't want to retain you today. 65% of the revenue of the sales that came in were generated from those people who originally said no, which means if I didn't have excellent follow-up systems in place, we would not have captured 65%. Ergo, if we did $3 million, we would have done roughly $2 million less in business than we did because we didn't follow up. That follow-up was worth an additional $2 million in gross sales. And so uh, following up is vital. So and, I, and I these love it numbers prove it, right? These numbers prove it. And so what this doesn't show you though, is says, how long did it take you to hire an attorney? This doesn't say what the firm did to follow up. This doesn't right. say they had automation. This doesn't say that they called them. This just shows stats on how long did it take you to hire an attorney? So chances are there were firms in this study that add follow-up processes, but we don't know how many. Correct. So, so I mean- to Rich's point, it could be vastly different if you actually had a follow-up process. Like these numbers could be skewed far more towards the first few weeks Correct. if you actually had a, a solid follow-up process. So this isn't necessarily, um, you know, uh, what's the rule, right? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So you brought up some things. So two things that we we both believe in is reviews, right? So negative reviews online is a bad thing or no reviews, almost equally as bad actually. And what this, this study, this survey doesn't tell you is that if you have no reviews, Google actually won't show your listing. 
Like if you have yeah, I would reviews, add, I would add one to that too. It'd be stale reviews. So yeah, reviews yeah, that like are not two years re- old or something like that. Yeah, right, right. So when I so when I go when I go looking for restaurants, the most common one. So if I'm going to look for a restaurant, or actually the other day I was looking for a, a guy to handle my sprinkler system, and um, and I looked at the reviews, and the one guy had a lot of reviews, but they hadn't had a new review in the last six months. And, and the other guy that I hired had less reviews, but he had reviews, you know, regularly kind of like every week, every month. And so I actually called the guy who had regular reviews as compared to the guy who had a lot of reviews. And so I'm not the only one who thinks like this when they're looking at reviews. Consumers are getting smarter about the, um, uh, things are getting smarter about getting the right reviews. Well, and so... I'm going to, I'm going to be contrarian here also. Sure. Just because you think that way does not mean your consumer thinks that way. True. So one of the, yeah. So I agree with you on your, on your statement, but, but you all in contrarian statement, you also want to realize that not everyone thinks the way you think like rich (laughs) thinks different than I do, than you do. And so, although this is super important and I totally agree with them. Do not get stuck in the trap of thinking because I think this way, everyone thinks this way. That's a that's a big marketing mistake, right? Agreed. Um, so resources to find an attorney, online directories slash Google. I would say those are one in the same in the case of Google My Business. Referrals, obviously huge, depending upon the uh, firm type, like estate planning attorneys, for example, they seem to get a, most of their stuff from referrals, the website, legal services, social media. So again, this is 2019. So take this with a grain of salt. The world has changed. I would say that some of these numbers have changed, especially when it comes to like social media, print advertising, I think is way more important than they show here. Um, TV, radio, maybe. I mean, since many people have been stuck in their homes, these numbers are guaranteed to be different. However, having said that, what this emphasizes is that like the online stuff, Google slash online reviews is super important, right? doesn't matter where they come from. I'm sure these numbers will change, but I doubt they'd change drastically. What would you say to that, Rich? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, yeah, there's an anomaly from the last year, but, but I think what's really important is even that referral from family and friends and, and these percentages aren't as a percentage of a hundred. These are like what they answered. So, right. Right, of- right. And, and I get that. So, but when you look at that, I, what I promise you is if they got a referral from a family or a friend, they went to Google and looked you up. And, and so if you had lousy reviews, uh, if you didn't have a good social media presence that, and you weren't, you weren't maximizing your digital marketing techniques, um, then, then they would be more skeptical to even pick up the phone and call you. So when you, you want to make it easy for your referrals to do business with you, which is why, you know, all of these techniques uh, of being out there digitally, as well as on TV and radio, so that when the, your friend, your client is telling their friend they should use you, 
and they forgot to call you, that they remember that, oh, that's right, Bob told me I should call that firm, let me call them. Or when they're on Facebook surfing the internet that night and they're like, oh, that's right, Bob told me I should call them, let me call Laputka. And, and they go right there and they go online and they fill out your form at two o'clock in the morning as they're surfing the internet because they remembered that they was a referral. Now, it, it'll come through as a Facebook lead, but the reality was is that it came because somebody, somebody told them about you. That does happen. And so having a good quality presence with quality reviews and a good digital presence is essential to maximize the, re the referrals you're already getting. And I have some data to back that up. So you'll cool. like that part. Nice. Um, By the way, just in case we're, we're, at, we're at about the halfway mark, if you just joined us, we're talking about digital marketing and how to maximize it for your law firm, how to use it correctly. We've, we've even covered some things about uh, non-digital marketing and some broken bridges that you have uh, in your law firm. We're on with Robert Stanley from Local Pulse Marketing. He's, he's my vendor of choice that, that I've been using for almost a decade now. Uh, to manage a lot of our online presence, for, especially specifically in the Facebook region. He does many things uh, for folks inside of Facebook, pay-per-click and Google, Google My Business. But he's teaching us the scope of the, the digital marketing 101 to make sure you walk out of here with at least one thing you can use. So go ahead, Robert. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I think that, I think this fundamental stuff is important because it builds upon the, the fancy, you know, flashy, fun stuff. Yeah. So, um, how many attorneys did you contact bef before hiring? Right. So, looks like, you know, you get half of your hires in the first two contacts, right? The rest are after that. And so, uh, again, I think this lends us, lends us to two things. Once the phone, mm -hmm. right, which I know Rich talks about, that's not my expertise. The phone's not my expertise, but I know that's important. And then the follow up, right? So, if you want to get, these folks who are talking to five, six, seven attorneys or whatever to hire you, you have to handle the phones really good because you want that top 50%. You want to close 50% to appointments right away. And then the remaining, you have to have such good follow-up that they talk to 20 other people and still decide to hire you. Would you agree, Rich? Yeah. And, and I would plus one on that. So like, you know, in my world, so I believe that in my experience, working directly with law firms, having built a law firm myself. Um, if you can get the phone script right, if you can get the speed of communication to an email lead that comes in uh, and you can get it right, what you'll find is you'll, you'll schedule 75 to 85% of your qualified leads into appointments, uh, which means you only have 25, 15 to 25% of your leads will actually need to be followed, unconverted leads will need to be followed up with and uh, to get them to schedule an appointment. Now, there will be appointments who schedule that don't show. That's a whole nother version of unconverted leads. But if you can get the phone right, you can have less people fall through the filter. And, and so that's why it's so important that you follow a designated system. We teach the 11 steps around here that, that your phone reps use over and over and over again. It's not a sometimes thing. It's an all the time thing. But yeah, if you don't get it right, what happens is, so the reason why people call more than one attorney, in my opinion, is not because they're price shopping. It's because the person that they originally talked to didn't use the proper script. 80% of the time, if you if an attorney, if somebody called you and you were the first person they called and you used the proper script, they never would have called anybody else. So if every law firm used the right script, 
these numbers would be skewed. They wouldn't be right. what you're seeing right here. Yeah. They are the way they are because most law firms have lousy scripts on the phone. Yeah, I agree. And I, but the script aside, what does this tell you? That you pretty much have to do a good job in the beginning, right? Correct. Which, which is the script, right? Correct. So uh, if you're, and I personally have experienced this, you call any business and you get the voicemail, uh, the can I put you on hold, all that stuff, you're losing business in a big, big way. So this is super important. Um, so payment to resolve, this is all over the board. And this, unfortunately, this particular slide isn't super useful because we don't know if it's PI, we don't know if it's divorce, like they didn't segment it by practice area. So I don't know that I, that I would pay too much attention to this um, other than maybe the still in process and I don't know piece right? Those last two columns. So what does that mean? They're the undecided. So they're unconvinced. They're still in process. Maybe they're trying to find the money or whatever, but um, I think this lends to the, you know, the front end call conversation and the follow-up conversation and that sort of thing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think for the purpose of our discussion today, this is interesting data. I don't know how much it's going to, I don't know how many conclusions I can draw to digital marketing specifically, but I can say. Oh, you can't, you can't. I think, I think for my purposes, it's the unconverted, did not pay, don't know, still processed. So that's, that's, what is that? 30, 40, almost 50%. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, there is a, there is a reality of the number of people that, uh, and this goes to a collections issue if you do everything right and, and you don't make sure people are paying their bill. But but I would say I actually pull something more dramatic out of this. So you've got, you know, a significant percentage that's between $500 and $15,000 um, that are hiring your firm, which means, well, here's what I would get out of it. So if, if that means every client that retains your firm on average, for most law firms that I see, it's somewhere around $2,500 to $3,000 is typically the average fee. Practice areas across the board. Listen, family law is like $9,000 and, and bankruptcy is like you know $2,300, $2,400 depending. Um, and so somewhere in that range is kind of where we're at. But if you, with client values, the size that they are, what I would suggest is everything that Robert's talking about today and the conversions on taking digital marketing to the next level, making sure you're optimizing your on-site conversions for all your digital marketing and behind the scenes conversions makes it all that more poignant that we need to make sure we maximize this because your client values are sig more significant than most other businesses are when dealing with consumers. The price point that they're spending with you is high. And so uh, you have to get this right because every lost opportunity is a significant loss of dollars. Well said. All right, so let's get into the techie stuff. That was all stats. Now we're gonna talk about the, the cool. digital marketing type stuff, right? So we'll talk about SEO and website experience. So there's Joe Jepson, you may know him. I do. Um, that's In his website. 2020 Entrepreneurial Attorney of the Year. <laughs> exactly. So, um, there's a lot of things I could say good about this, but I, what I want to point out is what's bad about the next slide. So what's the difference between this and this? This and this. A massive. Massive difference, right? So we have, not only do we have all this social proof below his face, right? right. But we have multiple calls to action of what they call above the fold. So above the bottom of your computer screen, right? And so 
a lot of law firms do this kind of thing where it looks pretty, everything's great, everything's wonderful. But the reality is in direct response, you want to make it as easy as possible for someone to communicate with you via your website, whether it's a book offer like Rich or an appointment or whatever. You also want to have social proof, which he has here, along with his book, right, which is also a form of social proof. So these are all the essentially when you build a website the proper way, the homepage can be like a landing page. If you build it the right way, a homepage can be like a landing page. Now, it's not going to take place of a landing page. There are proper times to have a landing page, but you want your homepage of your website to be as much like a landing page as you can make it be because the job of the website is to not make you look cool. The job is the website is to make you look cool and get clients. <laughs> so, so, and that's, that's the purpose of this slide. Yeah, perfect. It's great optimization. And this is a so, huge yeah, this is a heat map. So I'll show you this. This is from a while ago. So I used to do a lot of work with um, vacation rentals. So this is uh, ArizonaVacationRentals.com. We did a landing page for them like probably 10 years ago. But this is the early days of heat map. So this is one of the things that was really fascinating to me. So the bottom one was the original heat map. And the top one was the edited version. So what we realized is that people like pictures. So you'll notice those three pictures on the bottom section there had touches below the fold so that dotted line represented the bottom of someone's computer screen mm -hmm. right and so we were like we thought they'd want to see this cool golf dine relax text right golf dine relax sounds great so we put that above the fold no one cared we put the pictures above the fold next to the call to action and look at the change in the map they pick clicking on the pictures they're clicking on their two days free they were where we wanted them to be so the structure of a website despite what most people think is super important and testing your theory again when we're talking about like i think this like we built that top one we're like we think this is great well let's test that theory we put heat maps on it we're like oh okay well maybe the dine relax golf thing is not important right so this just illustrates the and i think this represented well, a thousand visitors Further, this idea that in marketing, you're going to be wrong before you're right oftentimes. Always, but, always. But then yeah. having the ability to go in and working with an expert that can show you what, what's working as compared to what's not working, and then you can make changes. In marketing, I don't have a problem with getting it wrong. It's why I, I don't shoot cannonballs before bullets, right? There's an old saying, you shoot your bullets, then your cannonballs when you're fighting a ship battle, right? Because you want to get your trajectory and your angle correct before you go wasting your cannonballs. And that's the same thing with, with this. I mean, you don't, you, you do the, what you need to do to get the data that you need to get, the results that you need to get back, and then you test against it before you just kind of go all in on something, whether it be digital, whether it be direct mail, whether it be print, you, you test, 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 test. And then when you figure out what works, now you ride that sucker forever until it stops working again. And we're, we're really fortunate, right? Because in the, in the early days, everyone would do a, a Yellow Pages ad and they didn't know if it worked or not. And they'd have to drop 20 grand or 50 grand and that was it. One yeah, and done. the lead times were six months or eight months. And, and yeah. it was like, you if they usually, or maybe they only ran those, those books once a year. Sometimes they ran them twice a year. Um, and you put them in and if you got it wrong, you got it wrong for the whole year. Yeah, exactly. So now with digital, we can do this kind of thing where we can test and find out within a couple of weeks, not years or months or multiple years. So 
that's the it's very beneficial to the small guy now because we but, can but dial it, up our spend and dial it down anytime we want. It's only beneficial if the if the small entrepreneur, the small and sole entrepreneur, one attorney, two attorney, five attorney, six attorney, whatever, with you know three employees to thirty employees. If if the owner of that firm, it's only beneficial if the owner of that firm either themselves or has somebody they're working with on their team that can go out and regularly ask intelligent questions of their partners or the data that they have to make sure they're constantly watching this stuff, right? It's not something you can just set and forget. And uh -huh. while I, I love trusting people, it's trust but verify. You know, I've been working with you forever, but you and I both know I've got numbers on the backside that's watching what's going on. And, and uh, you know, every time there, I think it was like three or four weeks ago, maybe it was two months ago. I'm like, man, I felt like the leads were a little off and you guys went in and made one adjustment and we've never had better lead flow in our history than we have right now. But it was because someone on your team went in and made a little bit of an adjustment. But, but as the owner, it was my responsibility to be paying attention to what's going on and communicating with my partners to make sure we made change happen, right? That yeah. as a business owner, this is your responsibility. And that's a key point here. All this stuff is great. But if as the business owner, you don't ask your, your partner, your vendor, your employees to help you accomplish this goal, you're not going to, it doesn't, this doesn't, none of this matters because you've got, you've got to know what's going on to be able to make the change. I totally agree. And I think that that's one of the things that as a vendor can be frustrating for us. We have a limited view of your business, right? right? So we only see, you know, 90 degrees of what's going on. And so we can see what's happening on this side. You can see what's happening on that side. And the, and the best uh, firms we work with are partners with us. So Correct. they treat us as if they're a branch of, of the company, of the firm, and we do the same. And so to your point, uh, I can't see what you see. So when you, when you and I have meetings on a weekly basis or our team members have meetings on a weekly basis, I review that every week and make sure that we're where we're supposed to be. And I ask them, hey, why aren't we here? Why aren't we there? But the same token, like it looks good to me, doesn't mean it looks good to you. So right. we both have to have a, a, an open conversation. I think that's super important. Super important. By the way, we got about 13 minutes left. So I want to make sure I don't know where you well, are. We'll have to cruise through this then. All right. Um, so, all right. So this is, this is kind of a, I'll go through this quick. BERT is an, a thing that Google introduced like a year and a half ago. Essentially what it means is uh, open language stuff. So when somebody says, this is just all backup data. So in the, in the old days, they would say, let me move my move screen here. So in the old days, when someone would say one thing, it would show another thing. So before and after. So essentially, do estheticians stand a lot at work? And then this one says demands. That one's like this versus that. Uh, do I need a visa? What does this mean? So this means that Google is paying attention to Q&A-based data, right? So when you go to Google, when most people go to Google or YouTube for that matter, they say, how do I... Right install a solar panel myself, right? right? Or how do I, what should I know about a divorce? Or what should I know about a chapter 13 or whatever? They want answers. Mm -hmm. So your content on your website should be Q&A based. That's what Bert's all about. And so they changed the algorithm. So this is an example of Ron Drescher. Um, so we do a lot of interview type content now because it's Q&A based. Whereas like, in the old days, we'd hire writers to write articles and things like that. But since Bert came out, we realized that 
Google wants answers to questions. Hmm. So interviews were great because your interviewer can ask you the questions you know that most people ask. Like I love that. Yeah. It, I love and that. And, and, and I love it because it supports this idea of authorship, celebrity, and expert, right? So totally. whether, you're, whether, you, whether you're not, not just author of the book, but author of the content, somebody interviewing you makes you the expert, um, uh, putting it out on the social media and on your website and whatnot, puts, puts, puts you in celebrity status. So now not only are we congruent with this ACE methodology that I love, now Google's come along and said, listen, we prefer to optimize for Q&A type conversations. They do, they do prefer that. And, and in fact, this idea before Bert was even out, I got from you. So I, I told a lot of our attorneys to say, hey, if you're gonna write 13 chapters, let's do 13 interviews, right? right? I mean, that's, and, and that was really easy way to produce a book. Um, all right, Google my business. So this is kind of new. Um, they read the reviews, right? but they also read the responses to the reviews. Yeah. This is totally new, totally new. Yeah. Google now is preferring a business who responds to reviews, positive or negative. So yeah. if I type in, man, I love Richard James, this program's great. If Rich responds and says, thank you, Robert, I appreciate your response, glad to see you at the event, blah, blah, blah. That just gives them proof that this is a real review, that you're really interested, that kind of thing. So if you aren't responding to your reviews, Start doing it right now. It's it's huge. It's boosting your your uh, outputs too. Yeah, I just was looking up my Google reviews right now, and we have um, we have response for every single one of them. And I, I, I whether they're good or bad. See, some people think you should only respond to the bad ones, you know, no. to address the. But the answer is well, you respond. Here's the to slide. All here's the slide them. right there. Forty five percent say they're more likely to visit business that responds to their negative reviews. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I completely agree. I, I I look at businesses that that uh, respond to their reviews in general as a much stronger interact. Like it doesn't feel. Here's the reason: because today we're skeptical of good quality reviews anymore because we've all heard reports of bots or people in India or whatever making fake reviews. Yep. So when the owner responds to the review, it feels more authentic. Yeah. Well, it also, as the owner, it gives you power, right? So you could say, uh, this has happened to attorneys that I know, whereas someone gets the law firm name wrong, right? or it's a competitor or whatever, and they say, yeah, you messed up my case. And they go, I'm sorry, I didn't have you in our records. Right. Uh, happy to talk to you, but I don't think you're one of our clients. Like Correct. super respectful, but that just tells everyone who reads a review, that person has nothing to do with your business. Yeah. Right. And 45% say they're more likely to visit your business if you respond to reviews. So why not do it? Right. Gives you a chance to, to offset the negative stuff, but also gives you a chance to get more business at the same time. Yep. Um, I completely agree. Okay. So some things that you need to know about, like fundamental things. So you need to have, like, this is ranking material. So citations, which are like listings on things like Yelp and yellowpages.com, et cetera. Uh, key citations here, which really means like, is it a, a you know a, a mainstream citation site? It, it's not you know Robert Stanley's review site.com. It's it's yellowpages.com. The number of links to the website, which is an SEO thing, uh, website authority SEO thing. But most of those things don't really matter. What really matters is citations, review count, review rating, 
and photos and videos. And now, which I just told you is a new thing, is review responses, which I am finding currently is more powerful than most of these things. Now, these are all fundamentals. So you should have at least 10 photos and two videos on your Google My Business account. You should have as many reviews as possible, obviously as high as possible. And for the shitty ones, leave a response. Um, and then you should have citations, you know. To make sure everybody knows what a citation is, a citation to be clear is, and tell me if I got this wrong, mm -hmm. is there are directories out there that list your law firm uh, with the name, address, phone number of the law firm, and they list it on their directory and Google goes out and sees that as a citation that says your law firm is authentic because it has this citation. And it's yeah. important that the address that's on your law firm's website and your Google My Business matches exactly to the letter, to the period, to the cross of the T, whatever, to that citation so that Google's trust factor goes up. Is that accurate? You're absolutely correct. Yeah. It's even goes down to the suite number. So if you have some people say S-U-I-T-E 110 and S-T-E 110, if that right. mismatches, right. Google says does not compute because there's not humans reviewing this. Right. It's a computer. And so it's looking for exact match data. So we have a report we can run for you if you'd like for free, where we'll tell you what your mismatched data is. And unfortunately, to fix that is human human uh, action to fix that bull crap. But um, a bigger issue along the same lines is if you move offices from this location to that location, a block down the road, yeah. suddenly you disappear. So you have to have a plan for this, this stuff. Even though it seems super simple, it's really not. Um, what I'm giving you now though, is for someone who's already in a current location, you know, get your citations, get your photos and videos up, you know, make sure your reviews are current and responded to. Those are the basic stuff. That's the basic stuff. So we're not here to dig deep, right? Uh, you can go to the marketing kit with google.com thing, which is on this site. They'll give you stickers, posters, and other stuff. Uh, not super relevant for law firms, but they do give you some cool things you can do for social posting and things that you might want to use to your advantage. Um, now we're going to talk about local service ads. So this is a standard listing right here, right? You look for something, comes up with the reviews, et cetera. Service ads, you, you have your review plus this Google screened or Google guaranteed thing. Uh, most of the attorneys I work with have already got this done. If you don't have this done, it's, it's, it's a process. It doesn't always go super fast. If you need help with it, let us help with it. Let us know. Um, but here's the difference, right? So when you serve for Boston Plumber, I'm, I know this is not relevant to attorneys, but this is how it will be for attorneys as well. You'll see these reviews. Actually, with attorneys, it'll show your face next to it, just like it did this guy, hmm. Law Offices of Alex Santos. So, um, and you show up above everything else. Google My Business, SEO, Google Ads. You'll notice there's Google Ads right there below that. You're top of the top. So... Um, for major metropolitan areas, this is already congested. You're probably late to the game. But if you're in a smaller town, guess what? If you're wide open, you should do this right now. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do this if you're in a bigger town. I'm just saying it's going to be, you're going to have to buy your way to the top. I just, uh, I just, by the way, just go ahead. If you're, if you're on your computer, you can Google like your town and it, it exactly what he shows shows up. Uh, John Orca, by the way, I Googled Charlotte, North Carolina bankruptcy attorney. It came up three postings, Law Office of John Orcutt, Law Office of John Orcutt, Law Office of John Orcutt. 
<laughs> yeah, so he's owning it, which is what you want to do early That's in the exactly. game. Exactly. He's, he's got market domination. This is a relatively new service. In fact, I'd say it's infantile because when you call Google for support, which we do for our clients, they're like, what? What local service ads? We got to transfer it five times to right. the one guy that runs this thing. So right. it's still new. Um, so you get this Google guaranteed thing on your listing. There's some benefits to that, right? Uh, here are the categories. So pretty much anything legal, I'm, you could be on local service ads. So yep. if, you ha- if you haven't started the process, send me an email, uh, go to the website, whatever. We'll send you the basic details on how to do it yourself. If you want help, you can hire us to do that. But it's really not that complicated. It's just time consuming. And, and uh, as most things, <laughs> sometimes it's better to you know, not do it yourself. Yeah, but perfect. anything, anything in law though. Look at that: tax services, malpractice, litigation. I mean, anything you can think of. Yeah. Uh, so here are the things. So you have the background check, which is uh, they have a service that does that. You have to have reviews. You can't have a Google My Business listing with zero reviews. They won't put you on a local service ad. Um, you have to have your licensing information and a headshot. So you know if you're ugly like me, then you probably have a stand-in model or something. But you have these are this is essentially the checklist. The thing that takes the longest, in my experience, is the background check thing. So it kind of depends on um, how many people they have in the queue, so to speak. Hmm. Uh, we've seen it take as long as a week, or no, as long as three weeks, and as short as a week hmm. for that part. All right, so let's talk. We've got five minutes, I think. Was that right, Rich? Yep. So the black box. Goodbye. So this is something Rich believes in, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the black box is. From lead to client, what happens in the middle? We talked about this already. This is some of the early slides, which is like, what what happens when you get a lead, right? And then what happens when they become, that is the secret to success, in my opinion. That is absolutely the thing that differentiates every business in America or anywhere in the world, really. Um, Everybody thinks they want leads. That's easy. I can give you all the leads you want. But if you can't figure out this black box part, you're done. Yep. Agreed. Um, so what's in the black box? This isn't everything, but it could be messaging, calls, emails, texting, remarketing, whatever. So you're going from lead to prospect through this entire process. Remember those early slides where we said, hey, uh, it takes this much time for someone to make a decision where we talk to this, this many attorneys before we hire? This is the magic formula right there. All the stuff in the middle. Like this is, this is the lay, lay term version of what happens if you do Infusionsoft or Four Eyes or whatever CRM system you use. Mm-hmm. Oh, it uh, doesn't matter. You, you put people in this box. You keep doing what you're doing. Then they become a prospect, i.e. they set an appointment, right? And so this part is where 99.9% of all businesses, not law firms, but everyone drops the ball. Agreed. Uh, and again, I think we've hammered it, but if you want to, so I'll say this. So yes, you can't uh, successfully grow your law firm without getting what you call the black box correct. Um, but what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, you have to be able to generate leads in order to need a black box. So we, we need to generate leads, but once we're generating leads, you need to have a black box to ensure that 
your leads are converting at the highest possible level. So you, you need partners like Robert to make sure your phone's ringing. And then after your phone starts ringing, you need systems that we talk about around here to maximize conversion through the perfect client life cycle, to maximize the number of people that set an appointment, show to the appointment, retain their at the appointment and pay their bill in full. And when you get that right, all sorts of good things happen. Gross sales goes up, profitability goes up. You're, you can actually help more clients accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish. Robert, I'm going to stop your share real quick. You can jump to your screen. I think you've got an offer for them, but I want to just summarize this for them real quick. Sure, sure. So, so you know, folks, we've been talking about digital marketing. We gave a couple of key takeaways inside of digital marketing. You know, even the Google My Business, making sure you have the right number of photos that back and dashboard that Google looks at. They're looking at how many photos, how many videos do you have up there? They're paying attention to, are you replying to reviews? Um, they're paying attention to the number of reviews that you have and the average star quality that there is. They're also paying attention to your citations. Citations are, it's why it's first, the first one in the list is because it's a hugely important feature for Google to rank you in Google My Business. Um, all, also getting the Google local service listing up there and making sure you're approved with that and, and making sure you're maximizing your SEO and your on-site conversion. That's really where Robert spent his time today, but he didn't miss the point that if you get all this stuff right and you've got your follow-up wrong, uh, you're, you're not going to maximize the amount of new clients that you bring into your firm. So I appreciate him saying that it's, the, it's a drum we've been beating for more than a decade now working with attorneys, that it's all about conversion, 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 whether it's on-site conversion on the internet or in-house in conversion once they become a prospect. But I really appreciate Robert's insight. Um, it looks like uh, Debbie has a question. How many videos did they suggest to be on the website? Robert said you want to have 10 pictures and two videos at a minimum. Um, Ron Kohler asked, it says, Avo happens to be an online directory, so I wonder if that affected the numbers they reported here. If I remember that report, because I saw it as well, I believe it was an unbiased report of all of the internet world, not just the directories, Ron? Yeah. No, it was a Martindale Avo report from their right. attorneys, yeah. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a global digital marketing report for, or global marketing report in general for law firms, uh, not limited to directories or digital uh, world necessarily. Um, so, so Robert, I know you, you, you can get them a little, you told me you're gonna give them a guide on how to maximize citations. It's one of those vital pieces. If they're not doing, or don't have a company that's doing it for them. Um, how do, where, how do you want them to go about getting that from you? you want to so share I, I, I put that on the, in the chat, it's robertmstanley.com forward slash rich as in get rich or Richard James, whatever you want to say, but it's, it, the, the report is on citations. It's on the Google listing stuff. Um, if you can give me 30 seconds, I want to show you one more slide. I'll be done. Yeah, go ahead. Rock and roll. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's, it's the thing we talked about, which is, uh, by the way, David Benson asked the question, does having nothing but five-star reviews look too fake? It's a lot more reviews and a lot more important than having a perfect score. Uh... I would think, I would say this, if you respond to those reviews, then it, they don't look fake. That's right? the right answer. Yeah. So David, the answer to your question is respond to the five-star reviews and then they look authentic. If you've got nothing but five-star reviews that aren't responded to, yeah, I think people's BS meter goes up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, so I wanted to show you this because we talked about it earlier. I said I had proof. So yeah. here's here's an example. May 17th, Facebook lead, uh, 1.12 a.m. 1.13 a.m., go to the website. Fill out the form at 1.14 a.m. Uh, three days later, book an appointment. 
So what you were saying earlier, Rich, is they, they look up your reviews, mm-hmm. they go to your website, they fill out the contact or appointment form. This is a different path, but here's the thing. This is the reality. This is very, very important. People mostly think it's going to be a one contact close. It's so this not is anymore. From, so just to be clear, from the bottom up, so the bottom is the start point. It was a paid Facebook lead. Correct. They went inside of Facebook and filled out a Facebook lead form, which means they gave their information. Then Correct. they visited a website, which you you blocked out. Which is a minute later. Yep. Yeah. And then, and that's a minute later. And then after the website, they they went to the they submitted a form on the website. So so this is on their own. They're visiting the website. That the, there was no real call to action to do it. The, nope. web, the the, the website or the Facebook ad didn't tell them to do that. It just captured their information. Then they went to the website and filled out a form. That's all within two minutes. Yes. The page that they then visited was for them to book an appointment. And then they booked an appointment. And, and so that happened. That was three days later, later, though. Three days later. Three days later. They came back three days later and booked their own appointment. Also, look at the time. It was one in the morning. Right. They booked the appointment at seven in the morning. So... Just because your office is not open does not mean your clients are are closed. So, so, so this to, to me, this illustrates that point that you were saying you had proof of that having a complete digital marketing package that harvests information about your prospect, that takes them to your website so that they can learn more about you, that can maximizes conversion on the website that then gives them the opportunity on the thank you page to fill out, to schedule an appointment, and then has a drip follow-up sequence that follows with them uh, you know, after they've become a lead, whether that be on the phone, text messaging, email, direct mail, whatever, carrier pigeon, doesn't matter. This gives you the opportunity to maximize your conversion online. So uh, in the basic partners club way, if you wouldn't mind, let's give Robert a little bit of love on the count of three. We'll give him a single clap. One, two, three. I appreciate you, Robert. Hey, if you, if you missed this uh, entire call, you want to go ahead and grab the recording of it. If you're a Partners Club member, it'll be uploaded on the dashboard. We'll mail you out a CD for Automobile University. Uh, if you're listening to this on one of our podcasts or YouTube channel, I hope you enjoyed us today talking with Robert Stanley from Local Pulse Marketing about sharing your digital marketing plan with not only your team and your and your partners, but also just making sure that you have a plan digitally and then making sure you maximize the conversion of the leads once they come from your digital marketing plan that you've developed. I think it was a very informative tool that we talked about today and all the different basic aspects of the four big ones of SEO, Google My Business, local service pages, and online conversion for your website. And Robert, I appreciate you sharing your time. We could talk probably for a week about this and (laughs) still not cover every single basis. I mean, we literally skimmed over the top of it. But I, but I hope they were able to take one thing out of today that they were able to learn as a good point of what they should be doing in their world. Me too. Me too. All right, everybody. Appreciate all of you. Make it a great day. Uh, we'll, for those of you that are in Partners Club, we'll see you in, in uh, San Diego. As many of you know, I designed my practice so that I could have off the month of July. I am off in July. I will show up for an interview with an expert, so I'll to see you then. Uh, for that one day, an interview with an expert in July. Otherwise, I'll see you in person 
in San Diego. Thanks so much, Robert. Thanks everybody for being here. Thank you guys. I hope you enjoy today's episode. I hope you learn something about a system that you could put into your law firm so you can build that law firm that supports your lifestyle rather than undermine your lifestyle. I hope that you feel like you're part of our community we call Entrepreneurial Attorney Nation. If you'd like to learn more about what we do around here, the best way to get started is to go ahead and go to our website, therichardjames.com. That's therichardjames.com and request a free copy of one of our books so that you can take the next step in learning how we can help you build your practice better one system at a time.